Is it time for Jimbo Fisher to make a change at quarterback? All that and more on this episode of the Locked On Aggies podcast. You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Locked On Aggies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Joey Ikes, and I'm joined once again today by my good buddy, Cameron Honesty. And thanks for making Locked On Aggies your first listen. Cameron, it's good to have you back. It has been a tough few days for the 12th man in Aggie Nation. And it all comes back to the same question. We've been asking for nine months. What <laughs> yeah. what is the answer? And and the I guess the first question is: Is there a quarterback problem in College Station? Yeah, I mean, I think you can look at it from two ways. We and this is the thing about uh, college football, especially. It's it's very different from the NFL in that. When and we've seen we've seen week one with the NFL, for example, that Aaron Rodgers had a horrible game. Aaron Rodgers is a future Hall of Famer, but he, you know, he looked very bad out there. I mean, if you were someone from you know the planet Zeon and you came down, you're, they're like, "Here's football. Here is what you see." And you started watching him, they would go, "This guy's not good at football." And you think, "Well, no, he just had a bad game. It's he's 0 and 1, but he's got 17, 16 other games to play." In college football, you have to be basically perfect to have a chance to compete for a championship. So we look back at, you know, when it was it was about a week before uh, the season started that Haynes King was announced as the starting quarterback. You and I both were not too surprised. I think I, I, I was a little towards Max Johnson at the time. You were a little towards Ma- uh, Haynes King. But in the end, we were like, OK, this makes sense. This is Jimbo's guy. You know, we we trust from what we've heard and and seen in fall camp and throughout the summer that this guy's ready to finally take that next step and be consistent presence in the pocket and be a guy who can lead this team to to victory week by week. Well, we saw a little bit of that in week one, and overall the team didn't play very well. But we both came away again, and I think the general public and Aggie fans everywhere said, well. Look at the stat line. I I mean, Haynes had about 360-plus yards in the game. He had three touchdowns. He did have two interceptions. But, you know, we gave him a pass because this was the first game he'd been in uh, for about a year, about a year and a week or something like that. And so uh, we kind of looked at that like, well, look, he's playing Appalachian State, and I'm not going to be the first one to say, like, I kind of pushed him aside and said, you know, they have no way to to come in there and do what they did. But I still gave him – a better chance to have one of his best games against Appalachian State against a defense in the Mountaineers who had given up 63 points a week prior, and so I didn't have a big. Pro- I didn't, look, I I had no I had no inklings that there would ever that there would be another quarterback competition because I thought they were on the right track and I thought he was going to fix the issues that we saw in Week One. Well, after that game, well, we can talk about it coherently now. I think. <laughs> So let me just let me put it put it in, in, in uh, pretty basic terms here that he did not look good and he did not show up in crucial moments. And that and and there were moments where, I mean, as as surprising as it was after uh, 
App State had had scored that kind of that uh, the not go ahead touchdown, but it looked like the go ahead touchdown at the at the moment. It looked like it was going to win the game when they went up fourteen seven. Devin Achain pulls heroics, uh, runs back the kick for I think it was ninety eight yards. We're all thinking, okay, finally maybe some momentum is going to swing their way. A and M gets the ball back, you know, after App State scored the field goal to go to uh, go up seventeen fourteen, and Haynes had the chance to tie the game, get a drive to tie the game or drive to score the game. And look, the the drive at the end of the I mean, it was it was just not it was not pretty. And it was something that when you are the starting quarterback in, for an SEC program and somebody that Jimbo Fisher puts all his trust in and has put his trust in for about a year, even when he was injured, he he I think he knew with this kid's going to come back and be my starting quarterback. He did not look the part and it was and it was I'm not going to use like words like disturbing. I mean, this is football. I'm not going to get that dramatic, but there were guys open on I'm wide open in the middle of the field. I think a nice Smith was wide open. Uh, I think it was like a mini crossing route or something. And he just, he just missed him. He just, he just didn't see him or he overthrew him. And it was just, it was confusing. And it, and I just, I came away from that thinking, why is, is he scared is it the O-line, you know, is he not getting blocked for, uh, you know, well enough? I, and, yeah, we can say that. But there were moments where the blocking was fine. He just couldn't hit his targets. And is it a confidence thing? I I don't know. But you know what? I've probably been talking too long about the game. And let's go back to your, your question. There is controversy right now. And mainly because if we're comparing this to last year, where we had Zach Calzada as the starter, and Zach was getting injured a lot. And I mean, these were these were not injuries that were going to keep him out long, but these were injuries that were beating him up week by week. The only person behind him was Blake Bost, who was a walk-on. Okay, right now we've got Haynes King, and the behind him is Max Johnson, who has started basically two full season for, seasons for LSU, another SEC program who he has faced every team AM has faced. And and probably and maybe he faced Georgia, I can't remember. But and then you have uh, uh, Connor Wiegman, who is a five-star freshman, who is as talented as they come. Who look, I, I don't, I think that in this, and what we've seen from guys like Bryce Young and other young quarterbacks, it, you're not going to do damage by putting someone like Connor Wiegman in either right away. You know, I think he, the only reason why Connor is third on the depth chart is because Max Johnson is there, and because yes, Jimbo's offense, which is more pro style, is a little more difficult to grasp right away. But again, it's a different situation this year because of those guys that are behind Haynes King right now. If it were any other year, if it was Haynes King and a walk-on, well, we would basically be sitting here going, well, that's all we have. We have to stick with, we have to hope for the best. But right now, if I'm Haynes King, you know, I'm not I'm not sitting up at night, you know, afraid that I'm going to lose my job right away. But I am worried because of the experience and because of the talent sitting right behind him. Yeah, and one of the conversations that you and I even had right after they named Haynes King the starting quarterback was that playing Haynes King gave you the opportunity to have a really high ceiling at the quarterback position. While you knew that you had Max Johnson in the fold to provide a really high floor. And what it feels like is it feels like the quarterback play against Appalachian State specifically was below the level of the floor that you feel like you would get if Max Johnson was your starter. And that is sort of the thing that um, that makes this a conversation, is that you feel like if Max Johnson was the starter, 
he probably has a little bit more. The only way that I can think of to describe it is he has a little bit more poise in this in the situation. And the thing that was a little bit scary to me, and I've said this a couple of times, is the game against Appalachian State looked too big for Haynes. Yeah, exactly. and it was a it was a two thirty kickoff against Appalachian State from the yeah. Sun Belt, um, and you know this week we have you know prime time against Miami. The next week we have prime time against Arkansas. The week after that we've got Will Rogers, Mike Leach, and Mississippi State, and the week after that we've got prime time against Alabama. So the stage only gets bigger. bigger. Yep. And if it was too big for Haynes at Appalach or against Appalachian State. What is it going to look like in those scenarios? What is it going to look like against a ranked Miami, against a really good Arkansas team, all those sorts of things? And to me, like the word panic I've said a couple of times, it just looked like he was extremely indecisive. Yeah. And then and that's in the running game and the passing game. And I've referenced the play where he just stuck the ball in Devon A. Chain's belly and just like carried the mesh point all the way to the line of scrimmage and just like refused to make a decision about whether he was going to pull the ball or carry. Mm -hmm. And there is some of that slow mesh stuff that is a a sort of trend, but at some point you got to make a decision and you either got to pull the ball or you got to give the ball and let your amazing running back have a shot at picking a hole and go. And there, and that's in the run game, but the same trait showed up in the passing game where he doesn't, Everybody will acknowledge, I think, Haynes King does not have the quickest, most snappy release of the football in college football. As a result, he cannot in any way be hesitant about releasing them, about making the decision for where he's going to put the ball. Because he's got to he's got to make up for that time that his release takes by making quicker decisions, being more decisive and getting the ball out on time and on location. And it was very, it was abundantly clear against Appalachian that that wasn't happening. And when you watched Appalachian on tape against North Carolina, mm-hmm. it was not a scheme that should, at least, you know, I'm, in my amateur opinion, put a put a quarterback in in the in the washing machine cycle, the spin cycle about what decision he's going to make. Yeah, like most of the decisions, most of the things. They're not a super disguised defense. The the pressures, they bring a few different kinds of pressures, but none of it was, you know, it's not out what Alabama is going to throw at you. It's exactly. not what a Georgia will throw at you in an SEC championship game or anything like that, or Ohio State in a, in a college football playoff semifinal or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so if, again, if the stage was too big and the scheme was too much, from Appalachian State in this contest, it just paints a whole lot of shadow and doubt over what it looks like moving forward. Because the truth is, and Steve Sarkeesian said this about the Alabama game while he was trying to downplay the importance, (laughs) is that the outcome of that game, really and truly in the context of the entire season, doesn't matter at all. Because if A&M goes on and wins out, or even even if they lose against Miami, and went out in the SEC and win the SEC championship, they're going to the college football playoff. Oh, yeah. So yeah. They, they still control every bit of their own destiny exactly. in the scenario. All of the margin for error is gone at this point, exactly. especially once you get into conference play. And that's where this conversation now comes up is, 
is it time to go to Max because the margin for error is gone? Or mm-hmm. is it time to go to Connor because, hey, the season's, you know, the season might be lost anyway. Maybe we just go to Connor and get the freshman some exposure. Yeah. And maybe he gives you that ceiling you were looking for from Haynes. Um, and maybe he's, if the show's too big for Haynes, putting Connor in there, if the show's a little too big for him, it's not all that much different. And so, I, I, for me personally, if I was Jimbo, I would be having some. I would have been having some really sleepless nights Saturday and Sunday, probably before I had to face my team at practice on Monday and say, yeah. "Okay, th- this guy is the starting quarterback going forward." <laughs> yeah. Or, or Haynes get yeah. in there with you know, all right, first team offense, and, and Haynes is out there running with them. So, uh, you know, that's just my thought. And we'll get a little bit more into the quarterback situation later in the week, but first. We're going to talk a little bit about Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your pro and college betting needs and sports information this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including the MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Speaking of bet online, Cameron, our friends over at Bet Online have, for what I've been able to find, the first time on the 2022 season, a full set of lines and props for an AM game as they prepare to face Miami. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> coming up here in week three in prime time in college station. Um, so we're going to go through these lines here and we're going to give our takes on it, you know, for entertainment purposes only yeah. as a, as our way of previewing the game a little bit here together. Yes. <laughs> we're going to go through the, we're going to go through these and, and use these sort of as our way to tell the story of the game. So we'll start with the spread on the game, the point spread our, our friends at Bet Online have AM favored at AM minus five, which means they're given five points to Miami. In order, if you bet on AM in order to win your money, AM has to win by five points or more. Cameron, what do you think about this line? Do you think the spread is appropriate? You think it's too tight? You think it's too big? What do you think? What's your take here? Well, Immediately, uh, well, like you have to kind of look at it for perspectives. Immediately after the App State loss, I would have, I would have thought like you know Miami, Miami's favored by you know seven points. Like that's right. that's exactly what I would think because Vegas would have lost complete you know faith in Texas A&M after that, thinking well if you can't beat beat a Group of Five team, how are you going to beat Miami? But no, it's it's a very it's a very um, realistic line, and it makes a lot of sense because. We know that this is a night game in Kyle Field. I'm already hearing that we, we could reach sold out numbers already. It's gonna it's gonna be a, a lot of people are going to that game. And as we have seen throughout the years during night games at Kyle Field, anything could happen. It doesn't matter who comes in there, it doesn't matter how good you are, what your ranking is, it doesn't matter at all. And I think even and I think Vegas almost might might be looking at the quarterback situation in that, you know, what we've seen from Haynes King, they might be making making a change from a guy they know pretty well in Max Johnson. And that's the thing. They've been I mean, Max Johnson was at LSU for two seasons or two, two seasons. Basically two full and seasons play, as a starter. Yeah, 
and play yeah played a lot of games played and played a lot of big games played against the alabamas and the floridas and so i mean they they know him well and they know maybe he's going to be the spark for a&m offensively to get it going but also on the other side we've got uh tyler van dyke the quarterback from miami hurricanes who's a legit 2023 nfl prospect this is a huge game for him this and this is a huge game for his head coach mario cristobal who came over from oregon who's a very well-known coach throughout college football who you know is trying to be the coach that brings the u back brings them back to to fame and fortune and elite nature and so that this is a big game all around i, I don't think i can say anymore and outside of a m circles um you know, a lot of people say, well, this has lost its luster because, you know, they lost last week. I don't believe that at all. I believe, and but really, I believe this line is perfect because I think this is going to be a close game. And I think it's going to be an interesting game. I think that's that's pretty much where it should stay. Um, right yeah, now. for sure. And I think, your, I think your comment about lost its luster has some merit. Uh, sure. It hasn't lost its importance. Exactly. But it, it has <laughs> lost its sort of hey, this is the number five or six yeah. team in the country against the number 13 team in the country or whatever Miami's at now. And, you know, college game days in town and all that. All that is gone. Yeah. And now it's, you know, two teams outside the top 10 playing yeah. one another. A&M's coming off a really bad loss, all that stuff. So it's lost its luster. It is not in any way. If anything, it's gained importance for mm-hmm. A&M. If A&M loses, it beats Appalachian State last week and loses to Miami this week, people are like, yeah, you know, they lost to a ranked opponent. Um, sure. You know, they still if they win the SEC, everything's fine. Nothing changes. Um, yeah. But right now, if A&M goes to if A&M loses two straight going into the game at our against Arkansas at Jerry World, like it's a whole different conversation yeah, yeah, we're having it's, about it's this A&M team. Exactly. It, it, and a lot of people are treating the Appalachian State loss like catastrophe in and of itself. So if, if you just compound sure. that with another loss against Miami at, and again, two straight home out of conference losses. <laughs> At Kyle Field, that's like yeah, that's then basically we'll, unprecedented for it. Exactly. That if <laughs> we so, yeah, we we go if we go to that that side of it, then like you said earlier, the whole lost season narrative. Because and I'm glad we brought that up. I'm glad that we brought that up for everybody's listening. That this loss, as bad as it is, does not end the season. It doesn't look great, but they but. But there's a reason why fans are coming out to that game. There's a reason why it's going to be packed because that is a blip in the radar right now as we stand. Like you said, though, if you lose this game and then you go to Jerry World, it's a 6 p.m. I believe it's a 6 p.m. kickoff they announced the other day, and it's another pretty prime time game against a very good Arkansas team. That always that no matter how good they are. You know, AM could be the best team in college football. Arkansas could be the worst. They are going to always play you yeah. tough and yep. play They're you to the you game, for so, sure. so, yeah, that that type of level is if you lose that game and that it compounds, then yeah, we're we're reaching that on a loss season type of type of absolutely. Thing. At that point, at that point, we're having conversations about a head coach change, not yeah. just a quarterback change, exactly. which is uh, unfathomable considering not, where we not were. Not something nine I want to ago. touch anytime. Right. Before. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Our, our next line here is the over under on the point total for the game. They have it set at 45, which means they're projecting based on the point spread and the, in the total line here, an A&M victory in the neighborhood of 25 to 20 for, for the game. What do you think about the total of 45 points? What do you think that says about the offenses in this game? And what does it say about the defenses? 
Yeah, and I think I think what it says is, is is the type of offenses they run. And you know, I've heard a lot of analysis about Texas A and M. I think uh, Greg McElroy had a point about you know this isn't the same A and M running game that they had last year because they had kind of bruising running backs in a, in a, in a in um, Isaiah Spiller kind of mixed with that speed straight line runner versatile guy in, in Devin Chain. But now it's really Devin Chain show and some young running backs behind them. So I think that the point the point total does um, kind of signify the offenses for both sides is that they're it's a little unknown for A and M. How what are they going to focus on this week more than they did last? Because last week the offense was anemic and we didn't really see any consistency aside from the 26, 26 yard touchdown run from uh, Devin O'Chain and then obviously his kick return. That was the offense the entire game. And so we, we didn't get a good look at what they're going to do consistently throughout the season. So I think it's a little wild card with them. I think they are going to try to focus on the running game, get Devin O'Chain involved um, early in the game, try to get some quick passes, try to get the offense moving and get into a rhythm. And on the other side with Miami, I believe they're, they're really a two tight end set type of offense. Uh, Parrish Jr. is their prime running back. Uh, they're try- And they have some, a pretty good wide receiving core, Got guys that just know how to get open, guys who are good in slants, good in, good in the route concepts, not a lot of big deep threats. So this isn't a, this isn't a kind of spread you out uh, type of Ohio State-like offensive scheme. But it's a hard no- – I, I think they really are going to focus on the running game a lot. So that, that, that point total – Makes a lot of sense when you're looking like a 24, uh, 20, 21 game or something like that. Those are those kind of grind it out. Who who started better? You know, who's who's better in the running game throughout the game? Who who kind of just lasts? Who plays really good defense? You know, so I think it's going to be one of those games, I believe. If it's higher scoring than that, I'd, I'd be a little surprised. That means that, A, both offenses are on their game, especially A&M depending on who the quarterback is that game and, and, and how they're playing in the pa- and how the passing game is going, we could see more foot points. But right now, with what A&M has shown, uh, that makes a lot of sense. With what Miami's shown, they played some very inferior opponents lately, so I can't really gauge exactly how much they're going to probably score here in, again, Kyle Field at, at night. So it's going to be loud, and it, it should affect their cadences and their calls. And so, yeah, so it's going to be interesting, though. Yeah, absolutely. I think if – it's a if it's over 45 i think that says more good about AM than it does about miami yeah. because AM has shown the ability in the sam houston game specifically to produce really big chunk plays and we know they have the type of playmakers on the outside in evan stewart chris marshall got wide open for for a deep uh, a long play against Appalachian State. They weren't able to connect on Anaya Smith, Keith Brown. We know the speed, combine that with Devon A-Chain. We know the speed that they have on offense and their ability yeah. to produce explosive plays. Um, so if it goes over 45, then that's either saying that both teams were able to – that A&M was able to be explosive enough to force yeah. Miami out of their shell, essentially. Because we've seen A&M try – over the course of the last couple of weeks to be an explosive team. Exactly. They, they, they haven't been the type of team that they were last year or for most of Jimbo Fisher's time here where it's yeah. been, Hey, we're going to try to be, you know, almost what Appalachian state was against yeah. A&M where it's, we're going to average four or five yards of play 
and we're just going to beat you by being super consistent and having 15 exactly. play drives. That hasn't been AM's offense. That's been the opposite of their offense. Whereas exactly. if they're going to get over 40, if the game goes over 45, it means that AM has been able to be explosive, excuse me, <clears throat> but they've also been able to be consistent enough to extend drives, possess the football, create big plays, and score points. And that that has pulled Miami out of their. What the way that they prefer to play offense a little bit too. Yeah, and that that that's why I kind of neglected to say they have the A uh, and M has the uh, explosive potential. What I was referencing is what how I think they're trying to to right. trying to go against Miami this week. But yeah, if they if whoever is at quarterback, um, and we're saying that because we really don't know yet. I don't think anybody knows yet. And so whoever's at quarterback, they start clicking early. A and M has more explosive potential than Miami does. They have more weapons on the outside. They have the one of the best slot receivers in the entire college football landscape. So I, the potential is always there. It's just how are they going to approach Miami uh, from the start of the game? And, you know, what are they going to feel good with? What is going to work immediately right out of the gate? Right. And I think the, I think the 45 number also says that Vegas doesn't have a ton of confidence in A&M's ability to be consistent offensively. Exactly. And, they have, and to be fair, A&M hasn't They've given them a lot of reason to be optimistic about that. Yeah. So. As we get into – some prop lines from the game. Uh, there, there's some pretty interesting ones here. Um, and so my favorite one of the list, and it's a little bit down the list, but we'll, we'll go to it first because I, I enjoy it, this idea a lot. <laughs> it's over under six minutes before the first score in the game. So is either team going to score before we reach nine minutes on the clock in the first quarter? <laughs> and so – under six is at a minus 134. Okay. Over six is at a plus 100. So okay. it's relatively even odds, but Vegas is essentially saying, hey, we think it's way more likely that somebody scores in the first six minutes of the game than somebody doesn't score in the first six minutes of the game. I, I love that these are the kinds of things that Vegas has given us lines. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, you got to make it interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. So, but, yeah, it's uh, that that's that that's kind of funny. I mean – Again, this could go either way because, like we saw with AM last week, you know, I don't even know when when uh, App, App State scored first. I know that. <laughs> I know, yeah, I remember that the game was seventeen to fourteen, but it took them a while, and 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 AM really didn't get past except for really Haynes King's long. I think it was like a thirty-plus yard run um, uh, near the hash mark. And it, honestly, it took a while, and it was really it was really App State, you know in that pistol formation, running it down their throats. And that's where McKinley Jackson's absence really hurt them in that game. Right. And you could tell when they started getting it, get, you know, uh, three or four yards each, each pop, it was like, okay, I mean, this is going to get, this is going to get bad because then he started scrambling for yards and started confusing the defense, but that's what killed them. I, you know, you're, you're facing a Miami offense was completely different and they're going to come at their offensive approach, approach completely because they don't need to play like that for App State to, to score. App State had to, like you said on the pod before the App State game, perfectly. This is what, you know, what App State had to do perfectly to to uh, to win the game. And they did all of that. I mean, yeah. I, this guy blew my mind. I was like, man, Joey said all of that last week, and they it may, they may have listened. I'm just kidding. But, well, but, I also said A&M was going to win by 35, exactly. so they didn't listen so too much. It's not like you were you're favoring that. Yeah. You did an excellent job of that. So it's like the that it could happen i don't i don't give that i don't get that uh, high percentage of, of occurring but 
anything could happen. Again, this is an, I, I'm going to keep reiterating this is a night game at Kyle Field. Anybody, I know Aggies know that, but all the other people watching it, you're going to hear it's going to be one of the loudest stadiums in the country. And I know everybody likes to, you know, compare theirs to, to everybody else's and hell in the state of Iowa, you know, Iowa Hawkeyes, we're the loudest, you know, and, and they are pretty loud, but they, you know, it's, it's going to affect the game. So really that bet does make sense because if it affects them, if it affects Miami immediately, and then A&M starts having one of those slow offensive games, you know, they're never a first half team type of thing, then yeah, I mean, that's, that could occur. I just, I don't give it big odds, but it's something to to think about for sure. Yeah, for the record, uh, nobody scored in the first quarter of the uh, A&M App State game. There we uh, go. Yeah. yeah, App State scored just after the turn into the second quarter. Yes. And, and A&M <laughs> scored with 3.39 left in the first quarter against Sam Houston. <laughs> yeah. That was the uh, – that was the touchdown pass to uh, to Yolkeith Brown. So uh, yeah. I, I'm sort of uh, I sort of think that there's a chance that it's under just because I think that I think that the AM offense will come out on a mission in their first drive to sure. to put points on the board on their first drive, and maybe that includes you know going for a fourth down or two with you know fourth and one, fourth and two, take advantage of the mm-hmm. home field you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think there's a pretty decent chance somebody scores before six minutes, but, uh, but yeah. we, we'll wait and see on that one. Okay. And yeah. this, this next line goes a little bit alongside the conversation we were having with the, um, with the over under line. Will any team score 40 or more points in this game? Yes is plus four forty. <laughs> And no is minus seven seventy. Okay. So uh, extremely strong lean from Vegas in this scenario to saying nobody's going to score <laughs> over forty yeah. points in this yeah. game. <laughs> that this, that, that, so you combine this with the over under, and it, this makes sense, right? If they thought yeah. somebody was going to score over forty points, the over under would be a lot higher. But yeah. uh, but. So again, very strong indication from Vegas that they feel like this is going to be a um, a low scoring game. And my takeaway from that it goes back to the over under the total line. This says more about a lack of um, clarity and confidence in the A and M offense than it does mm-hmm. anything else about Miami or A right, and defense. In that, if because. With the talent that AM has at the playmaking spots, and I've said this earlier, I'll say it again. If there was confidence in the quarterback play, they would the the line would be much closer because AM would be a threat to score 40 points exactly. in any game, any week against anybody, especially at home. And so so that's my that, that's my takeaway on that. What's your takeaway on the odds for somebody to score 40 points or more? I no, I agree with you 100 percent It's it's yeah, it's one of those things where Again, the confidence with AM's offense is is nil right now. It's one of those uh situations where again you're 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 playing in a primetime game, so you have no idea how the offense is gonna operate. You have no idea how they're gonna look because you're right, if you if AM comes in on a mission to prove that, that that was a blip, that it it happens, we're sorry to the fans, but we're gonna give you a show tonight. And again, if the quarterback change does happen and 
someone like Max Johnson comes in and just starts having chemistry right away with the receivers and they start moving the ball pretty quickly and the run game starts getting going, get going, starts, <laughs> get, I can't speak English, <laughs> starts going at a high pace and, you know, the offensive line starts blocking better and starts pushing guys off the line. Then, yeah, I, they, sure, there's potential. That that's a blowout. I, that's kind of a blowout scenario, in my opinion. If they if they score a, a forty points or more, and that's that's one of the things where I that's a very very small chance of that happening. But yeah, we've seen it. We've seen it happen before. I think back to um, Purdue against Ohio State uh, games like that, where Purdue I think was unranked at the time. Ohio State had come in there, and and Purdue almost blew them out of the building. Um, just based on, you know, wanting to prove their worth. And we've had, seen a lot of games like that where teams that just something happened to them the week before and they are, you know, they understand they let their fan base down, let their team down, and they just find some type of fire in them to come out at home in a night game and just beat anybody. It doesn't matter who it is. So, yeah, there's a small potential for that, but it makes sense that, yeah, you're not going to bet you know, a lot of money on that <laughs> to, to happen just based on what we've seen the last two weeks uh, from a and specifically and comparing it with Miami. Uh, I don't know. I don't see any, any case with that happening because yeah, they played, they played some very small opponents and they scored a lot of points, but they haven't done it, done it in the explosive nature. It's been really those kind of basic blow games. You're playing very, very way lesser competition and you're just kind of going with the motions and, you know, so just town talent above what you're playing. Absolutely. It's going to be really interesting to watch. We're really excited to see A&M have the chance to bounce back again at home at Kyle Field against Miami in primetime under the lights. It's going to be nuts in that place. And the uh, the recruiting list of visitors who are going to be there is going to be obnoxiously nope. long and, um, and unbelievably star-studded. We've started to get some leaks out about who's going to be there. We'll probably cover a little bit of that tomorrow on the show. But for now, guys, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find me on Twitter at Joey Ikes. You can find Cameron on Twitter at Cameron Honesty. And that last name is O-H-N-Y-S-T-Y. You can find us both at aggieswire.usatoday.com where we write about all things Texas A&M sports. Thanks again so much for making Locked on Aggies your first listen. You can find us on YouTube at Locked on Aggies. Leave us, a, leave us a comment there, like the videos, subscribe to the channel. We're trying to grow the channel to 1,000 subscribers by the Alabama game on October 8th. So we're getting close to three weeks from that. We're, we're making some progress. We'd really love to get there. We appreciate you guys' help there. Um, find us on your podcast platform of choice. Leave us a rating and a review. And now that you've made us your first listen of the day, Go check out Locked On SEC, where host Chris Gordy and the local experts of Locked On will take you around the SEC in 30 minutes or less. Make Locked On SEC your second listen. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you tomorrow.